are so mature. Wow. No I'm one's not. ever said that to me uh, before. Well, congrats. You didn't say peen. <laughs> Oh, hi, you're listening to Service from Hell, a podcast featuring people that are currently in customer service positions or the lucky few that got out and all of the good, bad, and infinitely irritating things that go along with that work. I'm actor and writer Kate Gaffney, and I'm uniquely qualified to discuss this as I used to work at a very busy and very popular comedy club in Los Angeles. And at least one of you listening right now has probably grabbed me and told me you were ready to order when I was running around like a crazy person. So let's eat. I'd like to welcome our guest, Chelsea Quinn, originally from Miami and a huge fan of the Miami Heat, which had my Ohio King LeBron for a minute, so we'll let her stay. Chelsea works in live event production with a particular focus on both the nonprofit sector and stand-up comedy. She has produced this comedy stage at a popular LA music festival, run local shows, and more. Chelsea currently works at the organization Liberty in North Korea, leading their grassroots movement. Chelsea hates movies set before the toaster was invented, but loves movies about old people getting their groove back, including but not limited to Stella. And if there's a pool within 100 feet, you will find her in the deep end. So that said, Chelsea, tell us, how did you get involved with the nonprofit sector? Which comics are the worst to work with? How nice is Kim Jong-un? Tell us all the things. Oh, you know, Kim Jong-un, great guy, great good guy. tipper. I would know. Definitely. Would know yeah. yeah, yeah. He seems that way. Yeah. I mean, I got involved <laughs> in nonprofit just interning in college, just really fell in love with this organization specifically, moved out here from Florida to work for them and really loved it, stumbled upon comedy and that world fully separate from that, had no intentions of being involved in stand-up comedy when I moved to LA, which I feel like is the opposite. Most people move out here to get involved in that, but dated a boy he was a comic Mm. got sucked into that world somebody asked me to produce a show then we broke up and he was like oh cool so now you're in my world all the time and I was like I am that's how (laughs) this is gonna work (laughs) yeah (laughs) that's the best revenge of all time oh I know he was like everyone's gonna like you more than they like me and I was like accurate sorry I don't know what to tell you you suck I'm so sorry (laughs) (laughs) she didn't say that I said that okay so you so you moved out out here from Miami specifically because this nonprofit uh Liberty in is it called Liberty in North Korea or Liberty Liberty in North Korea the full name okay Mm -hmm. so you came out here to work for their LA offices yeah so we have an office in LA and an office in Seoul and I interned with them when I was in college still in Florida came out here did the internship, went back and finished school, then got a job out here. Okay. And what is it specifically that they do or you do with them? Yeah. So we as an organization help, um, there's a couple things. So one thing is we work with North Korean refugees to help them resettle. So basically they escape North Korea, they're in China, they escape through what we call like a modern day underground railroad. And then we work with them to help them either resettle in South Korea or in the US. Because of the pandemic, things have been really slow in that department. As you can imagine, China has not been an easy place for people to escape illegally right now. Um, And so we're doing a lot of building them up as individuals, really like strength building. So North Koreans who live in South Korea and the U.S., helping them with career path, really helping to build them as leaders so that one day when North Korea is free, North Korean people will be able to go back in and help rebuild this country and recreate a world that is what they wanted to see in their home. Oh, my God. It's awesome. What I'm, a good bitch. I'm very lucky. <laughs> I got very lucky. <laughs> Holy yeah. shit. Okay, so I, I want to dig a little deeper because I n- don't know anything about this world. So w- with the modern day Underground Railroad, 
what does that look like? Are you allowed or actually, is it safe to discuss this publicly? I can talk about it like in broad terms. You know, there's certain things that we're pretty vague about. There's some stuff that I don't even know. It's really like need to know basis. So North Koreans escape pretty regularly from North Korea into China. Um, It's the Tumen River that separates China and North Korea. And it's known that people will escape even just to go get like medicine or food or goods and bring them back to barter in the black market in North Korea. There's a really bustling black market in North Korea because the government cannot provide what people need. And so they really have to turn their head and let people have this black market because without it, they wouldn't be able to survive. And so people escape quite frequently. It's known they'll like bribe a guard with a pack of cigarettes or something like that to look the other way while they cross the river. And so they'll cross in. And then from there, there's like underground networks. So like safe houses and people that help people. There's also a really dark side of that where there's a ton of human trafficking going on. And people are like, yeah, I'll help you escape to freedom. But really what ends up happening is you get sold to a Chinese man as his bride or you get sold into a brothel or into sex chatting. Um, And so what we do is we don't do any work specifically in China, but we work with partners there who help the North Koreans navigate out of China because you know, where they're coming out in North Korea, they have to get all the way across the majority of the continent to get to any other borders. And so from there, they escape into Southeast Asia. We have people there who help them navigate the system. We used to actually have people physically in the field that stopped in the pandemic, but we had people in Southeast Asia meet them, bring them to a safe house, get them food, get them what they needed, and then put them through the government processing to either come to the U.S. or go to South Korea. Wow, you are such a good ambassador for this. Okay, <laughs> it's so, awesome work. I mean, I feel. I mean, it's got to feel so gratifying. Like I can't imagine. And so, again, we're going deeper. So I know you can speak in broad terms, but just so I understand from a language perspective, so people are being helped from North Korea into China. But w- what about the language gap? So people are escaping from North Korea into China all on their own. Most of the time, there's no like help in that. That's just something they're doing on their own. And there's a lot of people in China who speak Korean, who are who have created these safe houses and created these networks. And there's a lot of Chinese people in China who speak Korean specifically in this way to broker humans, you know, sometimes for good, sometimes for for not so good. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You're involved with them as far as rehoming people either in Seoul or here in, in this country. Do you speak Korean? I do not speak Korean. So I really do our grassroots work. So basically like advocacy and awareness in the states, teaching people about it, mobilizing people here in the states to care about North Korea, to think about stuff other than politics, other than nuclear weapons, that kind of stuff. And so I don't do anything directly hand like hand in hand with our clients, with the North Korean people in that way. We have a few North Korean people on our staff who speak English, and that is such a massive privilege to get to work directly with the North Korean people. But yeah, I wish I spoke Korean. It's something every year I'm like, I'm going to work on learning it. And then I try to watch like a Korean drama to be like, this is how people are like, oh, watch K-dramas like with subtitles. It'll really help you. But we all just watch TV on our phones. Yeah. So then I'm like, oh, I forgot to read the subtitles. And I've just been <laughs> scrolling the internet, listening to people speak Korean at me. And so okay. maybe one day. Maybe one day. And so are you, is the goal, what's the goal 
ultimately of the organization or for your position? Or I, I know you had said to educate us as lay people who don't know about North Korea, but what is the goal for the people besides rehoming them? So the goal is ultimately to see liberty in North Korea, right? To see a free North Korea. And so whatever that means. And so we work really closely with the North Korean people to help support them in whatever they want that to look like. And so we are not like, oh, it should be reunification. Some people push for that or like, oh, it should be revolution or anything like that. We're really here to help like build the capacity of the North Korean people to get them the resources that they need by getting people interested in the states and around the world putting government pressure on governments to do something to pay attention, to put money behind it, to really just empower the North Korean people and to ultimately see a free North Korea in our lifetime is really the ultimate goal. Oh, that's so cool. And so why, I understand why there's an office for your organization in Seoul. Why LA of all the cities? Is it because it's the closest, biggest city to Korea? So actually, Link is like what we call it for short, started in DC. It actually started at Yale and a bunch of students just came together and were like, learned about this back in 2004. And we're like, we need to do something. This is insane. This is, why is nobody talking about it? They really started their headquarters in DC. And then there was another small organization out here in LA that was going to start working on North Korea as well. And so they decided to merge and the people in LA were like, this is where we're staying and the people from D.C. were willing to move. And so moved out here. I mean, there's a huge Korean population in yeah, L.A. Is. K-Town is like the largest population of Koreans outside of the Korean peninsula. Mm-hmm. And so it makes a lot of sense. We have a ton of support. Um, but, yeah, I think that's mostly the reason it just kind of happened. And then it was like, oh, this this makes a lot of sense. And this is where we are now. So, OK, well, that's really lovely. And so what's the best way for people to find out more information about what you all do? Well, there'll be a way to plug all your socials and stuff at the end of the show. But I just want to make sure up top we like do they just Google Liberty in North Korea? Or? Yeah, just Google us. Go to our website, libertyinnorthkorea.org. Follow us on social. I think we put out a lot of really cool content. So Liberty in North Korea on Instagram. And we're recently on TikTok. So Ooh, go there too. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> that makes sense. OK. And so um, I want to go back to the questions up top. Are you going to name names for any of the comics that have been difficult to work with? Are you able to? Or can you hint at them? I know you can't. I'm putting uh, you in the worst position. But I position. can tell you a story about one of them. Yes. But I won't say their name. Okay, great. Do yeah. that. So this is my like, actually wasn't even working with him, but I was in a green room for a comedy. I was not producing the show, but I watched a comic come into the green room. He was the headliner. Of course, it was a he. Of course. Nobody is surprised. And we were all sitting, chatting. A couple of people were eating. And this comic walked in and looked at one of the opener's salads and was like, hey, I want that salad. And the guy was like, oh, cool. It's like this on the menu, right? And told him the name. And this comic literally went, no, no, I want that salad. Wow. And took it from him. Wow. Ate it. Talked about how he loved arugula so much i've never heard a man say arugula so many times (laughs) and then was like wait what the fuck is in here is this salmon oh i hate salmon gave it back no no and then ordered his own food no 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 it was truly one of the craziest things i had ever seen i i i I did oh i cannot wait to stop recording because i'm gonna ask you a name (laughs) okay so wild i i don't uh i don't really know what to do with that it was insane okay um well we're gonna get more into it well we hope you enjoyed your apps folks we're gonna move on to the entrees after a quick break we are back and now it is time for the entrees okay this is where we do the speed round of questions i always call it a speed round of questions but it doesn't have to go fast feel free to tell stories i want to hear them 
what was your first job ever? My ever, f- ever. So like babysitting? That People count that. Okay. I don't count it. I don't either. Okay. So my first like job job where I had to like clock in and there was a schedule was delivering wedding cakes when no. I was 16 years old. Oh. Maybe 17. 16, 17. What the fuck? It was insane. What were they doing letting a teenager do, handle something that's the biggest part of the wedding? Dude, you have, when you first asked me to do this podcast, I was like, I don't really know if I'm going to have like that many jobs or stories. And then I remembered it like all came back to me and I was like, holy fuck, that was the craziest job I've ever had. <laughs> you have to tell me everything. They made us put cakes. So I couldn't drive my own car, which one, insane. I'm only been driving for five minutes. Yeah. I mostly know how to drive my own car. They made me drive this like massive like Ford Explorer that they had taken all of the seats out of the back. So it was just you in the passenger seat, empty in the back, and they just slid the cakes back there. No, ma'am. No case. No, ma'am. No box. What? No strap. No box. Chelsea, what? what? Just cake. Wait, how, why no on box? On platform. Because it's hard to get a box big enough to go around these like tall, massive cakes. Oh, my God. It was a nightmare. And I'm driving. So I lived in Broward County, so like north of Miami. But most of the weddings that we did were in like Miami proper. So I'm driving through... Miami, like through the a big city. city, through like on I-95, which is like seven lanes wide, like massive with just a cake. And then for listeners, you don't know, I am short. She's a tiny I am person. five feet tall. My arms are not very long. They're <laughs> child length. And I would have to carry no these like five tier cakes. No. Insane. When I think about this, I'm like, how? What did I need this money for? What, uh, what did you need the money Nothing. for? Nothing. My dad specifically said, don't work. He was like, you're in high school. Your job is just to get good grades. You know, like that bullshit. Sure. Which, very privileged, very lucky. Yeah. And I was like, no, dad, I want a job. Oh. I'm responsible. Oh, my God. Wait, wait, wait. So how did you, was this like a posting in the newspaper? Like, how did you find out about this? So my best friend's brother worked at this cake shop. He was like a baker. And so he worked at the cake shop and he had tried to get his sister to take the job, but she was smart and it's was like, no. I'm going to go work at Jamba Juice. That makes <laughs> way more sense. And I was like, okay, I'll do it. Oh, my God. Okay, wait, wait. So... They load your car up with cakes for multiple weddings is how I'm understanding Usually this. one wedding at a time. Okay. But not strapped in. No. What, what, the, what, the, what was the logic with this? I don't know. And then they also were just a very poorly run shop. So they would be like, oh, by the way, we're about three hours late with this cake. The bride is probably going to keep calling you. Don't answer. Whoa, whoa, whoa. By and the by, someone's going to flip out on you, teenager, whose arms are too tiny to drive. Are you kidding me? <laughs> they would be like, we're not picking up. We know we're on our way. Just get there. Three hours like that poor bride late and then I also had the job of they would give me flowers so when I got there I had to take the fresh flowers and decorate the cake with Chelsea them. this is insane I forgot this all about insane. this until you asked me to do the podcast <laughs> can't even because it's traumatic were you in there like freaking out like what if you put the flowers in the wrong spot on the cake terrifying I was always scared of being yelled at there were times when I was showing up and the ceremony was already happening no and I was like quietly in the other room like putting this cake here horrible i just set up fountains because we also would do like quinceaneras and stuff and so people want like 
a fountain with their cake. I don't know. People are tacky. Yeah. But it would be like, here's this little fountain. And I would have to like go get water, plug it in, make sure the fountain. It was. Real, real quick, just as an aside, I would love a fountain. Okay, oh, I would. I like it's cheesy as fuck, and I would love it. Wait, I don't understand why they didn't send any sort of adult with you, like not even one or another teenager, but another human fucking being to help you get the cake out the car. Like, did you ever drop a cake? So on my last oh, day, no. I know. So I did not do this job long. Obviously, it was of very stressful. Not. I did once get so drunk in <laughs> high school that it was Goldschlager. I drank oh, so bleh, much Goldschlager. Bleh. I know. Oh, you know, like the most high school ass drink. Oh, besides So Diego. drunk, <laughs> throwing up all night, all morning. And I called my dad, told him I got food poisoning and sure. asked him to call in sick for me. As you would. Because I was so embarrassed yeah. and just didn't know what to do so that did happen but I didn't do the job for long and on my last day you know I quit I was like oh sorry school I have to pay attention to school Hell. and they were like okay and on my last day I was driving to this wedding somebody cut me off <gasps> and it's really hard like what are you gonna do slam on your brakes and you know this cake is gonna flip or hit this car and so I hit my brakes really hard the cake obviously flip I mean of course this is right outside the venue too so I pull into the venue's parking lot get out look at the cake I'm like well this is fucked I cannot bring this inside I call them like what should I do the cake flipped and they're like oh it happens to everyone we knew it would happen to you eventually I guess it happened on your last day drive it back so I drive the like 45 minutes back they just scraped off the icing no. and re-iced it. No. <laughs> yes, which is insane. And now when I think about wedding cakes, I'm like, Ew. how much like hair and Ugh. like, you know, Ugh. like car dust are we all just eating? eating. Wait, so, so did they make you then go drive it back? Oh, yeah. And did they think you did it on purpose because it was your last day? No, they were really nice. They were just very dumb. Uh, clearly. Yes. So... Where I'm like, I mean, I have uh, this whole podcast could just become about this and I don't want it to. (laughs) But where I'm so confused is so there was no part of them at any point in this process being a full fledged bakery that thought we are losing time and money by literally just not strapping any sort of like there's no secure. I don't. I mean, and they just said to you, they were like, yeah, this is how we just do it. Yeah, like, they, that's how they trained me. And I you, learned one good skill. They taught me that if you're approaching a, a light and you're not sure, like, is it going to turn yellow or red? Because you don't want to have to hit your brakes hard yeah. with cakes. And they couldn't say, like, we'll just run the reds. What they said was, look at the the walking thing, you know, yeah. the little man that yeah. has the countdown. Yeah. And if it's getting down, you know it's going to turn yellow soon. So start to slow down because it's going to be yellow and then it'll be red. And I have carried that, I will say, into my driving just long term where I'm like, oh, I see a three there. I'm I'm going to start to slow down because it's going to turn red soon. What a good driver you became because you were potentially ruining brides' days. Like, I can't imagine. Trial by fire into learning how to drive. I guess so. (laughs) I can't believe your parents were like, yeah, this is a safe choice. I mean, your dad said don't get a job, but I can't believe they were just like, cool, cool, cool. Not strapped in and it's just a big rig or whatever the hell. Cool. Do it. Wow. I think everyone was just like, well, Chelsea said she wants to. And I think it's like, <laughs> Chelsea wants to do it. She's going to do, gonna it, do so it. So let's just let her do it. Wow. Okay. That was your first job. That was my first one. Was everything less stressful after that? I think so. I mean, like, I truly hadn't even thought about that job in so long. Yeah. So is that then soon after still in high school, my dad was still like, don't get a job. And I was like, but I want a job. <laughs> I worked at a daycare so I did that after school, like for, so I would go to high school. I know. 
Wait, with homework and sports practice, did you play sports in high school? Not sports, but I had extracurriculars. How did how did you balance all of that? I don't know. Oh. <laughs> I'm not sure. Don't have a good answer for that. Don't know. Wait, okay. You so know, I don't know if you know, my mom died when I was 15. So also I think we were just trying to like trauma fill all the brain spots so we don't think about our dead mom. Yeah, you know, that's real. And uh, uh now you've answered it. Okay. Yep, that's we, how we, I Yep, we don't have to unpeel that, that onion. That's how <laughs> yep. you did it. And that's, I get it. Yep. And God bless. And God bless your dad, who's like, you know what? Hey, if this is what she's got to do, this is what she's about to do. Exactly. You got good parents. Okay. So, uh, so daycare. So yeah, you're so doing this. So you're going to school seven to whenever the hell. You're doing your extracurriculars. Then you're watching a bunch of fucking kids. Yeah. So I'd go and do like the aftercare program from like three oh to God. 6 p.m., which is the worst age group of kids to be with. And then over the summer, I would work like full days, like nine to five at the daycare in the younger rooms, like in the infant room in the toddler room whatever I do love kids so I I liked this job to a certain degree parents were the worst part I mean they have to have been yeah did they have a lot of notes for you on how to fucking handle their kids a lot of notes one time I got accused of making a girl sit on the floor when her leg hurt and the parent told me that it like caused severe problems with her leg and oh, I had to do fuck like off. an inter she like literally made me and the boss and the daughter and her all sit and have this like really intense conversation about it. And I was like, we were all sitting on the floor. I don't know. And she was like, well, she told you it hurt her leg. And I was like, honestly, I don't remember if she did. There's 30 kids in this group. And I just told everyone to sit on the ground. Like, we're at a daycare. We sit also, on the ground. Yeah. And also, you can't be a disengaged parent or off at work or whatever and also controlling. It's like, if you have other people that are taking care of your kids, then guess what? Toodaloo. Like, so long as they're not, I mean, obviously, if someone's putting hands on your kids or something of big, of course. But like, at a certain point, you have to relinquish control when you're not the one in charge. Sorry, lady. Also, if her leg is hurt, send a note in. Yeah. Let us know in advance. Like, Daughter is not allowed to sit on floor Good this week, God. whatever. But also if her legs hurt, maybe you should watch her. Maybe stay home. Maybe stay home. Maybe stay home. Oh, good Lord. Yeah. Did that happen a lot with like privileged parents? A, de- yeah, a decent amount. Because I wasn't the main teacher, I feel like I didn't get the brunt of it. Uh, but because I was always there at closing, I would get the complaints that came in then and just be like, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm actually only 17. So I'm going to write this down <laughs> and leave a note for them in the morning. And then they'll call what you. what am I supposed to do? What the fuck are you supposed to do? Yeah. Wait, would you be by yourself with all those kids? Uh, sometimes. Like, oh, no. Chelsea, what would you do if somebody had to go to the bathroom? There'd be someone in another room, so then we'd be like, hey, stick your head out, and they would stand in the middle of the two rooms. You know, it was just... I I, I would not say it was the best run daycare yeah. <laughs> that I've ever been to. These businesses know that you're trustworthy, and they're like these like shit show businesses, and they're just like, listen, this one's going to be great. Just give it all to her, because we're not... We, we don't have our shit figured out. When I think back, I'm like, I was making probably like $7 an hour. Oh, God. Watching all these children. I would be in the infant room. With five infants. No, that's too many infants. No, that's too many for one adult. Five infants. No, and you weren't even an adult. Sorry, that's too many for one other child. Yes. Like, children watching children. I also, this is something I thought about recently. I hope my dad never listens to this. (laughs) I, like, we had made weed brownies the night before. My dad was out of town, so we, like, made weed brownies at our house. But, you know, we're teens. We don't know how to make fucking weed brownies. And it's Florida weed brownies. It's not, like... Good weed. Good weed. It's Florida weed. Oh, God. And so I had eaten too many weed brownies. I should do. And woke up in the morning and was still so high. (laughs) And had to go work in the infant room. (laughs) And I was like, 
I'm so stoned. I should not be here. And you're like, I'm not going to call out though. Can't do two. Can't call, can't call out twice. Exactly. So oh. I literally just like sat quietly in the dark <laughs> infant room because luckily they just mostly sleep and you just like feed them, change them, let them sleep. Oh my God. And I remember just sitting there. My friend would come in and I'd be like, I need snacks. Like, I really need snacks. (laughs) I have to get this out. Ooh, being too high. That was the best part of that job was the snacks. Yep. I mean, obviously, it's the kids. Those animal crackers covered in icing. A lot of cheese uh, puff balls. Cheese balls? Cheese balls. Cheese balls are, oh, God, I miss being a kid. Yeah. Oh, eating like that is so fun. Wait, so you would, so, so you were just high that day. Did you eventually, I mean, obviously you come down eventually. Yes. Do you remember when you were coming down? Were you just like, oh, finally I can pick up a child. <laughs> I was just like, oh, I can leave this dark room because I didn't <laughs> want anyone to see me. So I was like, the bosses didn't come into that room that often. Cause you know, it's just like infant sleeping where the other rooms there's like more commotion and kids. Yeah. But yeah, I was like, oh, I can finally leave. Dear God. How oh. long did you do that? Huh? So I did it from like junior. I did it half a junior year, maybe that summer, all of senior year. And then I did it one summer after college. <sighs> I know. I mean, you were really committed to those kids. Wow. Yeah. Where'd you go to college? University of South Florida in Tampa. Oh, okay. So you yeah. were still in Florida. Okay. Yes. All right. And did you work on campus? No, I didn't work on campus. I don't know what's wrong with me. I always getting weird ass jobs. <laughs> so when I went away to college, so my next job, I went away to college and was like, I definitely want a job. I want, you know, extra money. And I got a job at a call center doing telemarketing for timeshares. What you, Eric Helwig, you have a buddy. This is, you mark our second guest who's, oh, no, my third, or third, Natalie Gianelli also did timeshare oh. cold calls. What? Insane. What? And those hours were terrible for a college kid because it was like 6 p.m. to 10 p.m. And no! It's like, that's what I'm supposed Prime to be making party time. Yes. Yeah. So I, again, only did that for a short amount of time, but you could make a lot of money doing it. And Wait, so how? that was the appeal. They would do this thing where they, well, a lot of money for a college kid where, and you could leave with cash. They oh. would, they would push pin a hundred dollar bill to the wall in the cold call room. Okay. And be like the next sale gets this hundred dollars in addition to their commission and their hourly and all of that. Oh, you bet to sell the fuck out the next sale. It was incredible to just leave with a hundred dollars in your pocket, which is like fake money because it's not even your paycheck money. So it doesn't even count. Wait, wait yeah. how many times did you win the hundred? I don't remember. But more than once. More than once. Good for you. That's why I couldn't quit because it just felt uh, so good. But yeah. then eventually I was like, I need friends. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I can't do this. <laughs> yeah. Wait, wait. Pitch me on a pitch me on a timeshare real quick. Oh boy, let me get there. <laughs> it's been so long. It was like really, we'd be like, haven't you always wanted to go to Disney? Yes. Because it was Disney was involved. And then it would be like, but what if after Disney, you know, you're really tired, you've walked around all day, then you get to go on a two-day cruise Ooh. to really relax. And so that, that was it. It was the big pitch. And then we did this thing where if a credit card starts with certain numbers, you know if it's a Visa or a MasterCard, sure. whatever. So we'd be like, oh, let me get the the rest of your MasterCard. And people would be like, how did you know that? But somehow we knew their first few digits. The first four, I think it's, it, it it's is like what standard. tells you. Yeah, I think yeah. so. Wait, so you <laughs> you were pitching a timeshare, but you would pitch it in the in terms of a cruise and Disney? They would get like a free ticket to Disney and then a free two-night cruise if they gave us their credit card, paid like this nominal fee, and then committed to the timeshare experience that they had to be a part of, you know? I, do you think timeshares are scams? Oh, 100%. Okay, why? I think because who wants to keep going to the same place? 
Well, okay. I'm so sorry. I'm going to go. We're going to walk it back because we have an international audience and I always forget oh. that. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, y'all. Can you explain what a timeshare actually is? Honestly, and- barely. <laughs> 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 and that's why there is scam. Yeah. You worked in it. <laughs> I barely understand. It's like you pay yearly for a week at a certain place. You got like a certain number of days at a certain place. And then you can trade them for other locations like maybe you have a timeshare in Maui and it's seven days you pay this like flat rate but then you can trade it if somebody wants your Maui one you can do like Seattle or whatever pick another city but I feel like what's a scam is that it's just so restricting you want to stay in cool places yeah and the way I understand it is like so what she's saying is like so you pay this fee and you get a week in this condo or some hotels converted into timeshares which if you haven't seen the documentary Queen of Versailles if you really want to know why timeshares are a scam watch that documentary it's excellent you should definitely watch watch it yeah but so you can so you get this week and it's either in a condo or hotel or whatever and she's saying that like so if you have the week of January 1st through the 7th then that's your week and if you have it in like she to use the same example chelsea used in maui that means those dates are yours at this location that you are sharing potentially with 51 other people because there's 51 other available weeks so you don't technically own the property you just get that week and the the money that you pay annually covers the like some of the ones i've seen it's like it covers the i don't know the utilities or it covers the grass being cut or whatever but what she's suggesting or saying that is that you can also do is like okay instead of maui for the week of january 1st i want to go to seattle but can you only do it within the confines of that particular timeshare company as far as i understand you can only do So it really limits you because whatever this timeshare company has, I guess if you're somebody who wants to go to Disney every year, which there are people like that. Bless them. I mean, not me, but if that's like where you (laughs) want a vacation every year, I guess it makes sense. Sure. But also, I don't want to stay in the same place. Even if I want to go to the same place, I want to stay different places. I want to experience different things. Like, what about when that cute hotel opens and you're like, I'll go stay at my condo, I guess. (laughs) So you think it's a scam because of the confines of the actual idea behind what timeshares are? Is that what I'm understanding you say? I guess. I don't know that I've thought about this that deeply. I'm obsessed. Okay. I don't know why. I think it's this documentary did it. Because I what I don't understand is like, there are some people, like Natalie, when she was on the podcast, she's very much pro timeshare. She has one and when she was describing it i was still like this still feels like a scam to me like i can't believe you pay money to this and her annual fee oh i forget i think it hovers at like two thousand no that's too much maybe a grand but she often doesn't go and use her week which is what timeshare companies are kind of banking on well that makes absolutely no sense yeah and they and i think a lot of people don't because you pay additional into mm -hmm, that week mm -hmm. so you still have to pay to go that makes no sense agreed no, it's a hundred. Now I feel even more like it's a scam. <laughs> I feel even more convinced. Okay, so your job was to sell the people on just going to the pitch, or yes, okay, to paying like this. I honestly, they did not explain it to us well, which I think was intentional. We mm-hmm. could not veer off the script, right? It was like we had to say exactly what was in front of us, and if you said even like a word or two different, somebody was listening and would come over and be like, hey, you missed some words. Ooh. Because I think they were protecting themselves so down to the wire that wow. you had to say it exactly so that you didn't accidentally 
promise something that wasn't true or sure. do some kind of lie, you know? Get and them so, sued. Exactly. So they were super, super strict about that and did not explain anything to us. Like we never saw any of the properties. We didn't know anything about it. It was super sketchy. And so it was just like, I don't even know if it wasn't the timeshare company. It was like somebody that they outsourced to. Of course. That did this like call center. And we just sat in this like really small room and we're on the phone nonstop for four hours. Would they recruit college people? Is that how you found out about it? Like they went to your campus? Yeah, they had, they like advertised in our college paper. So I had like been looking in the like jobs in the area. But again, only did that for a very short amount of time because I was like, I need friends. Uh, Accurate. And then so what was next? Next was nannying. And so that was the rest of college. I actually, I have mixed feelings on this, but I liked it and I hated it. But I nannied a little girl from when she was like three and a half to when she was almost six. Oh, bless. So, yeah. You were a big part of her life. Yeah, I really loved her. They were super rich, as you might imagine. They lived yeah. in like a gated community with a, um, like you drove golf carts around. Sure. I took her to horseback riding lessons twice oh, a vomit. week. Went to tennis lessons. Wait, wait, she was going to horseback riding lessons before she was even 10 years old? Like, oh, yeah. Good God. She had her own horse at four. Okay, all right. I'm yeah, burning yeah. it all down. How did you not burn their house down? Because I just ate all their snacks. <laughs> Okay, so a big, uh, you're such a loyal job person if there's good snacks. If there's good snacks. I mean, that's the same part. I feel the same. Especially in college. Oh my God, you're so poor and hungry constantly. Exactly. And they would like, the mom would be like, oh, could you order us dinner from the clubhouse? And she'd be like, add a dinner on for yourself. And I'd be like, okay, shrimp. Like, I can't order shrimp for myself (laughs) at home. Like, you know, steak. Like, I would order myself something delicious because she wouldn't even see the bill because it would just tally up to their like monthly whatever they paid to the clubhouse. Oh, God. You know what? I'm such a, in college when I was super poor, what I would have done is I would have been like, cool, cool, cool. And I need some eggs for tomorrow. And I would have just been like, steak and eggs, but they're two separate meals. Like, I would have, I would have worked an angle. Totally. Okay. So so you got- Lots of them. So you get connected to that family. Why only until she was six? Did you graduate college at that point? Yeah. So I moved out here. So I moved out here right after graduating college. Wow, you were a baby. Yeah. Literally, I graduated like May 5th. I only remember because it was Cinco de Mayo that I graduated. And I was out here before Memorial Day. Holy shit. It was a very quick turnaround. How did your dad feel about you moving across the country? Well, I had only said I was coming out for a six-month job. So at Link, I had gotten a six-month offer for a position. And I was like, oh, I'll go out for six months. Like, I put all my stuff in storage. I'll be back. And then I have never gone back. Wow. I know. Oh, bless. I've asked him a lot of times, like, are you resentful that I didn't come home? Like, do you want me come, to come back? And he's always like, no, we knew you would leave. Oh, like, we knew Florida wasn't for you. Bless like, him. That's the biggest compliment you can give someone. Accurate. See, I wanted to drag Florida and I didn't I didn't know how you felt about it. So I was like, let me not. We have good parts. I think That's right. I need to respect That's the right. beaches and the Cuban food. But other Oh, than God, that, the Cuban community. Miami's cool as fuck. Yeah, it's really cool. Mm-hmm. Everywhere else is rough. <gasps> okay. Uh, okay, so those are all your customer service jobs. Which was your favorite of all of those? And obviously, Link, where you work now, is going to obviously, you love it and it's the best ever. So we never count the current job. So I did other jobs, though. Oh, you did? After I came out here. What did you so do So I was here? at Link from 2011 to 2016. Okay. And then I left for two years. Oh, Because I was like, yes, it was great. like, this is my only job outside of college. I need to, like, prove to myself that I can, like, make it in the world. Whatever. So I left Link. I did so many random jobs. So I worked at a funeral home. We talked about this. I can't believe I didn't write this down. Yeah, I yes. worked the Amazing. front desk at a funeral home. Amazing. 
which was wild and <laughs> boring. The worst part about that job was that it was so boring, which I feel like that's not what people expect. I did that. I worked as an executive assistant at a cannabis law firm. Sure. Yep. That's the most fucking L.A. job on the planet. Like, please, listeners, drag L.A. for just having that as a job. Don't drag Chelsea, (laughs) but drag L.A. Keep going. I did that. I nannied more. Just, you know, easy way to make money. I... What else did I do? Oh, I worked just like event production. So doing different events. So I did like this two-week job down in Cabo that sounds luxurious, but it was the hardest job of my whole life. Was it the fire Festival? No, I, w- I wish. <laughs> it was like at this really fancy resort and it was with friends, their production company. And I loved the people I worked with. But what they were asking for us to do was just like so insane. Like what? We had to do two immersive lunches or an immersive lunch and immersive dinner every day. So like wildly themed and then two snack breaks and the snack breaks had to be super intense. And so like one of the snack breaks was like a massage break fuck off we had to have like masseuses and fresh juices and manicurists for this like 20 minute break and then we had to turn over the space immediately to the next theme what the fuck it was so wild was it just a rich person party what was it was like for their executives from all over the world for a conference that they were having so yes a rich person party yeah and it was at an all-inclusive so they were like oh you can stay at the hotel and like eat and drink at the all-inclusive but there's really nothing as demoralizing as like walking to the restaurant at the all-inclusive while everyone around you is like having fun and on vacation and you're like been up since 6 a.m. You're so tired from like turning over three events and you're just like, okay, give me this like mediocre spaghetti. I just want to go go to to bed. bed. So wait, so you, I want to go, so you did that. Was that just like event specific or did you work for an event planning firm? Just event specific. So my friends ran a production company, so they hired me on to help with that event. I was just trying to do events on my own because I, so even though I had left Link, I was doing freelance event production for them still for their galas. So I was doing that. And then I like threw a premiere party for an Amazon TV show. Which show? Can you say? You can't say. Don't say. Don't say. say. Keep going. So you did an event production for an Amazon show. Then you, so you were doing things sort of freelance on your own. Just freelance on my own. Exactly. And then, yeah, it was like, at first I did the funeral home. So I actually had my own podcast for three whole episodes and it was about death and I made it way too complicated for myself and then stopped. But I was like, oh, working at a funeral home is going to be so interesting. And it was so boring. And then I freelanced a bunch. And then at the end of freelancing, got the job at the cannabis law firm because I was like, I need structure. I have learned that when I freelance, I don't leave my house for many days. Oh, that's tough. And I don't talk to anyone for many days. I'm just like, I can easily hermit. So I, guess like, I can too. Pandemic was not that hard for me at the beginning because I was like, oh, I can just stay inside and not talk to anyone. That's fine for me. Yeah. And then my brain is like, this isn't good for you. Yeah, you need to get out the house. Yeah. So that's why I finally got the executive assistant job because it was like, I just need a nine to five. I can't freelance anymore. And then Link was hiring again and I and ended like, up back there. And you wanted to go back. Yeah. Okay, so now we're going to the funeral home. Okay, before <laughs> yes. you, okay, so well, real quick, of all of those jobs, which was your favorite? And obviously Link. Take Link off the table. Yeah, say Link. Yeah. Probably nannying. Oh, that was your favorite. In college. Wow, really? Just because she was so sweet, you know, and like it was terrible and the parents would be home. That's what makes nannying bad. But I really did like nannying her. And it was just like I got to drive a golf course, like a golf cart around all day and like go sit at a barn while she did horseback riding and like go sit at the tennis courts. It was just like 
really fun. nice. Yeah, it was yeah. fun. And she was a really cool kid. So. Do you still talk to her? Uh, every now and then I talk to her mom on Facebook. And so I see her like growing up. She's a teenager oh, now. That's which so, is so hard weird. and so weird. Yeah. Okay. Which was your least favorite of all of those? Oh, delivering wedding cakes. Yeah, obviously. And the funeral home. Okay. Tied. I was hoping you were going to say funeral yes. home. You had said it was a shit show. It was boring, but it was a shit show. Why was it like awful shit show? It was crazy because, you know, when I got the job, they had told me, we think you're overqualified for this. And mm-hmm. I was like, that's okay. Like, I just want a job. Like, I, you know, I don't, I'm not looking for anything like career building. I just want some money. But what was terrible is we had to sit at, I was the front desk girl. Now, this was out home. here in LA. Out here. It was okay. in Torrance. Oh, God. Yeah. I was living in Long Beach, so oh, it was like not far. Right. Okay. But it was in Torrance and I was the front desk, but you weren't allowed to go on your phone read books or browse internet while you were at the front desk and they had a camera on you. Oh, fuck off. So they knew. And the front door to the funeral home was locked. So it's not like people were just coming in. So I would be like, why can I not read a book or like or do, do anything. anything? And so I was so bored. So do you know what it's like to just be bored in a funeral home <laughs> all day? I don't know. I it's don't know at all. the weirdest feeling. Uh, there's because there's death all around you. There's a dead body in the other room waiting for their funeral that night. Ooh. So I had to open. So I was going to have to like let them in to drop the casket off. The people who drive the hearse, I guess. I don't know what their job is. Hersey people. Yeah, the hearse people. And then I would have to open the casket before oh, the family oh, got oh, there. Oh, no, yes. no, no. I'm so sorry. Podcast over. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. No, I liked that part. <laughs> oh, my God. Does that make me sick? No, but wait, why did you like it? Because it was the Peaceful only moment. thing that had any action. Because <laughs> otherwise I just sat all day. But it was, I would open it and I would always talk to them and be like, Aww. your family's coming. Like, they love you. Because I was just like. Wait, that's so sweet, Josie. And then I would put their DVD in with all their pictures and I would always sit and watch to be like, what was this person like? And you like, were so sweet. Them. Wait, that's the biggest hearted thing to do ever. I'm just so bored. Don't do, but you're also a very sweet sure. person. Thank you. You are. I appreciate that. Wait, so, so you, <laughs> you talk to them. Wait, did you ever ask them why you weren't allowed to be on your phone or anything? Like I asked this? the girl who trained me who like had my same job, you know? Yeah. And she was just like, you're just not allowed. Okay, Don't do cool. it. And I was like, okay. You're fun but at she party. also like. She made me show her that I knew how to change the toilet paper. in Because we would, like, restock the bathroom, right? We would, like, fill the soap dispenser, put toilet paper in. We didn't have to clean, but just restock. And she made me show her, like, three times that I knew how to change the toilet paper. And made me show her so many times that I knew how to push play on a DVD. Chelsea, why? I don't know. Control. Control or... She was dumb. And it might have been really hard. For <laughs> she was projecting her. and she's like, I have to know that you get this. She was like, This really was challenging for me. <laughs> this was peak insanity. Yeah. Okay. So y- your job, because I, I, what I, and please correct me if this is not accurate, what I've heard is that it can be incredibly dangerous to work at funeral homes because of the risk of like families fighting or people coming who think that there's going to be money on the sure. table or family members who weren't invited. Or there's also some weird thing about stealing bodies. Again, if Ooh. any of this is not true, please correct me. But it wasn't my experience. I also though only really worked the morning shifts. Uh, so I wasn't typically there for funerals. I was the front desk girl. So I was the person who like would let people in when they had appointments to meet with somebody or somebody just came by to be like, hey, I'm looking, which is kind of odd. People would come by quite often being like, oh, I just want some like literature about what you guys offer. And I'd be like, you want literature? Like, did someone die or you're just browsing? But whatever. 
So well, I would you, do that. Oh, it wasn't even clear they were looking for a funeral home. They just were like curious about just the curious. Space. It was That's very weird. And then I also had to be the one to call people to let them know that like remains were ready to be picked up. Oh, God. so that kind of stuff. I would call people to let them know that like their loved ones like jewelry or something was there to be picked up. Um, and I would schedule appointments. So people would call in like, hey, someone died. We need to come in to figure out arrangements. And I'd be like, okay, the funeral director is free at 4 p.m. today. You can come in to talk to him then. So I wasn't really there for funerals. I would get the stuff set up for the funeral. So I'd have the coffee brewing. I'd get the DVD playing. I'd get the music going, make sure there was toilet paper, <laughs> all of those things. And then I would leave. So how would you, like, did you ever run into situations where there were people who were deeply emotional interacting with you and, like, you would have to kind of be pseudotherapist? Or was it mostly just transactional? Mostly transactional. There was a few times where most of the time people just don't answer the phone calls. So the phone calls were easy because I think they're like, I don't want to talk to whoever this is. Sure. And so they just wouldn't pick up. So I'd leave voicemails. This was the hardest is that the location that I was at, the person there specialized in, this is really dark, in, like, unborn or, like... Ooh. stillborn Ooh, deaths, God. you know, like babies who died before they were oh, God, humans in the world. And so those were really hard. And usually people weren't like breaking down or anything, but it was just so hard to even navigate like, how do I talk to you? Yeah. What do I say? I was like, I don't want to say I'm sorry because that just feels so like, like placating, you know, yeah. it just feels. I do think because my mom died when I was young, I have this like little bit of niche specialty and like knowing how to navigate death more than other people that's right so I felt comfortable for the most part but yeah there was just that was always the hardest and it was just like so sad because then you have to they would I mean I didn't have to do this but I would overhear the funeral director and it's like oh do you want to pay three thousand dollars to a put coffin yeah for this like tiny tiny box of remains like what do you want it in and sometimes they would be like I don't want it. Yeah. And it's like, that's fair. That's totally what are you going to do with this? Yeah. And so. Would you ever have people not pick up remains? Oh, all the time. Really? All the time. What's that about? I don't know. I don't know if people actually. So my dog died and they offered to give me the remains. And I said, no, because I already have my mom's ashes. Oh, it's And I was much. like, I can't be the ash girl. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't know. Maybe people didn't want to be like the ash person. I get it. <laughs> you can't have like multiple ashes in your home. It's no. one. You Like I picked my mom. That's it. No yeah. one else's ashes. Mom or dog. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know if it's that you have to, they would have like an unpaid balance. And so I don't know if they oh. wanted to come pick up because then there'd be pressure to finish paying, which I definitely would not have given them pressure, but yeah. they thought that's what was going to happen. Sure. And so what do you, does, does a bill collector go after people who are dealing with in death? I mean, that's I tough. have no idea. I imagine, right? I it's guess a, you'd have, it's a bill. It's a business you owe money to. Oh my God. Yeah. So how did you find out about that job? Just like regular job posting somewhere? No, a friend again also. So I knew, we're not really friends, but a girl that I knew was, she did um, she was a mortician. I was like, what's the word? She was a mortician. That's cool. And so I had posted like on Facebook or something back in 2011, like I'm looking for a job. And she was like, oh, they're hiring here if you're interested. And so went, applied, and I had to cover my tattoos and take my piercing out every single day for that job. What is like, I have to, I have to assume that if you own a funeral home, you've had, you've had a dance with death. You know what it feels like to lose someone and, or you know what grief feels like. You think, and if you walked in that job full blown naked, someone in the depth of grief, not only will never remember that, they, that you were the naked receptionist, they're certainly not going to be offended by your tiny lip 
bring. Absolutely not. Like, there's no space for it. It was insane. And so, I mean, I should probably have not taken this job for so many reasons, but I was like, <laughs> interesting, I'll work at a funeral home. And so, I mean, I I'm it. our audience is benefiting. <laughs> yes, I'm benefiting yes. right now. So what's the weirdest moment that you can remember? Like, did a body ever, like, breathe out or have any of that stuff that happens in death? There was just a lot of weird sounds that Ooh. I don't know what they were still to. You know, it's like you're just sitting and it's like, is it the creaking of the building? Is it something weird over there? But truly, the weirdest had nothing to do with the dead body. A man delivering flowers hit on me so hard in front of a dead body. And I was like, this is the weirdest moment <laughs> of my whole life. Tell me you said yes to him taking you oh, out. Of course not. <laughs> he was like 50. He was so, no. I was so young. He was not young. And yeah, he like hit on me. He was like holding these massive flowers and said something like, oh, I wish these were for you. And I was like, these are for a, a dead, dead person. person. I don't wish that they were for me. Yeah, I like being alive. Thank you so yeah, much. Yeah, what a weird, creepy comment. And we're like in the room where the dead person is setting up these flowers. And he's like, I wish these were for you. That's so And weird. I was like, oh. And then he was like, <laughs> oh, like, do you work here a lot? And I was like, this is my job. No, I'm so Moonlight. Like, I'm, I'm here one day a week because yeah. I really am into the dead situation here. It was so strange. So that for me was like definitely a jarring moment. And I was yeah. like, what is happening? Why yeah. are you talking to me? Yeah, that's weird. And okay. I had my piercing out and I was like wearing weird business professional. You're like, business. I feel I, I can't felt, stand right. I'm I was so, like, men will hit on you in any setting. That is just proof. It's accurate. It does not it's matter accurate. what you look like or how that's, many dead people are near you. <laughs> They will hit on you. <laughs> you know what? Not to kink shame. Maybe he was neck. What's it? Necrophilia when yeah, you maybe, fuck dead bodies. You know great. Maybe that was. His, maybe he was saying it to her, and I yeah, just assumed you were just it in was the way. <laughs> Come on, Chelsea, let your ego down. Yeah. Okay. So, so least favorites were that. That was a hardcore tie. Yeah. Did uh. So, what's the weirdest thing you've been asked to do whilst on the clock in any job? I know the weirdest moment that happened to you was clearly. <laughs> <laughs> the necrophilia guy. But is there a moment you can think of that you're like, oh, this was also super weird? It can still be at the funeral job. It can be at any of the jobs. I'm trying to think. But not Link, because nothing weird no. happens at our current job. No, no. Current job is good. I mean, I don't know. Honestly, like, the first thing that came to mind was when I was nannying, I got in so much trouble by the dad who was weird and who would, like, not have his shirt on a lot of the times. And you're like, you're creepy. And... I got in so much trouble from him for not wiping down the microwave when I had not created the mess in the microwave. You're not, and a, I you're was not, the not a nanny. No, or I was not a cleaning lady. I was a nanny. Like I was only there to watch their child. child. I was not there to clean. And he was so upset and brought me over to the microwave and opened it and showed me the splatter. And I was like, well, that looks like tomato sauce. And he's like, yeah, I can see that. And I was like, we didn't eat anything with tomato sauce today. I don't know what to tell you. Good for you, Chelsea. It was so crazy. He also never had a shirt on and he was really weird. Wait, but so when he does that, was he then expecting you to go get a sponge and clean it out? He was like, in the future, can you make sure this doesn't happen? And I was like... So what, get in my fucking what? time machine and fix what other people have done? And I'm not just going around opening your microwave to see... <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I'm not what? taking micro status Ugh. when I'm coming to your house being like, hey, we got to clean this today. Like, So strange. Oh, another one. One of the weirdest things. Maybe not weirdest, but grossest. Working at the daycare, there was a kid who he was on the autism spectrum. So he's having a really hard time potty training. Aww. So he was not potty trained at this age when a 
other child might be. Mm-hmm. So his poops were very big, as you might imagine, because he was oh, a very he big was child. Big child in a diaper? You know, he was five and still in a diaper. Those are big poops. Yeah, they are. And he was outside and he like somehow fell. Daycares all have like the worst mulch and this was like mulch made of tires. It was so weird and hard. And somehow from his diaper, it had gone all the way up his back to his hairline. No. And then he had rolled in the mulch. So it was covered in mulch. No, thank you. And someone brought him to me and was like, hey, you have to do this. Why? And I was like, why you? Why me? I don't know. So that was definitely one of the worst things I got asked to do while on the clock. But I was the youngest and it just felt very much like, well, I have no choice. I just have to do this. Plus, I'm not going to leave this kid covered in shit. But like... Oh, it was a nightmare. Oh. It was not good. Bless him. Was he nonverbal? No, he was verbal. So he knew oh, yeah. that he something was bad. Like, yes. was he uncomfortable? He went up to the other teacher and was like, oh. poop. And she was like, go to Chelsea. <laughs> and I was like, bitch. <laughs> Great. Oh, I would have thrown baloney on her car when oh, she was wasn't terrible. looking. That's ridiculous. Okay. Yeah. Was there ever an incident where a customer asked to speak with your manager? The mom who asked to speak with my boss because her child's <laughs> leg. leg hurt. Cool, cool. And everyone who wanted to speak with my boss about the late cake delivery, but they just didn't answer the phone. So <laughs> Which had, that ain't had shit to do with you. They could that try was to business. speak with my boss, yeah. but they were not going to get through. And inexplicably, people kept ordering wedding cakes. Was there like a wedding cake like bakery pre, shortage? This was pre-Yelp. Yelp. You know, this was like 2006. Uh, so you kind of just were going whatever was nearby. Yeah, that's right. You could right. like Google a little bit, but I feel like we didn't have the, we didn't understand yeah, that the power yet. yet. Yeah. Okay. What, was there a last straw that got you out of any job where you were like, flip a table, I'm out of here, of any of your jobs? I'm trying to think. Yeah, you have a pretty high threshold for fucking nonsense. So yeah. I doubt you had a table flip moment. I don't think this was a table flip moment, but the people that I worked with at the call center job made me insane. And it so it was not even the customers. I mean, I did hate interrupting people's dinners and people were not happy you're calling. But the people I worked with, were crazy making. And do you remember that song, the MIA song? The Paper like, Planes? Yes, like yeah. in 2008. They would play it all the time. Wait, for why? some reason, they always had music playing in the background. I think so they couldn't hear the other people on the calls oh. to like drown that out. And this guy who sat next to me did a dance to that song every time it came on. No. And I really think he was my flip a table moment because I was like if I ever have to see this man do this dance again I'm gonna fucking murder someone wait was it like a whole choreographed stand up dance no no sitting in his seat oh worse and like just very arms and chest no and head and a lot of mouthing the words do you think he was going slightly insane due to the nature of the work absolutely (laughs) so that was his edge okay do you have you ever told a customer to like leave or get out of your face or told them to fuck off like have you ever been aggressive you just her eyes got so wide I don't think that's your brand but no I mean no I don't think so yeah I'm trying to think it's pretty confronting yeah you seem to have good boundaries but you also don't seem like an asshole and it was okay. like I worked with kids and like you know, parents. <laughs> tell a parent to fuck off. I mean, and people on their wedding day, like you can't really oh, tell God. them to fuck off. I you're feel like, for those oh, brides. Oh, I feel for them. Like that's a real. It was not okay. Because I think there's nightmare bride scenarios where they're just entitled bitches. But I do think that in that situation, I'd yes. be really upset and I think it would be justified. Your Kate coming three hours late. It's a problem. Yes, one million percent. Especially because the ceremony started and you're like, I don't even know if I'm going to have a cake because they're not answering the phone. And is just like wandering in Ugh. holding a five-tier cake in her arms like i can't yeah. believe you never dropped a cake like that's I honestly impressive can't i never 
never dropped a cake either. Yeah, that's. Yeah. I am a very clumsy person. Well, and also you're a tiny person. Like <laughs> yes. I'm. I mean, these cakes were as taller than you. They were my height. Wow. Yeah. Uh, do you tip? I do tip. How much? I must tip. Out to eat, twenty percent, pretty standard. I feel like the pandemic has made me call into question my like delivery tipping or my pickup tipping. Hard. It's hard. Yeah. I always think my parents had just been like a few bucks, you know. Yeah. But obviously now we don't do that. So delivery, I'll usually do a twenty percent. Still, yeah. now a pandemic. It's like been sure. in pandemic, so I'll do twenty percent. And then picking up, that's the one that's hardest for me because I'm like. I did the work. Yeah. I came here and picked it up. Yeah. But my boyfriend is very insistent, like 15% at least if we're picking up. And he would still do 20. And I'm like, mm. but I do. So we do it. Did he work in food service? No. Oh, he's just a nice guy. Yeah. He's just very principled. Oh, I like that though. Yeah. Okay. Do you ever not tip? Have I ever not tipped? Okay. Today I didn't tip. Why? Oh no, it was a confession. Oh, here we go. So <laughs> I got my nails done over the weekend. They're really cute. And they are really one cute. of them chipped already today which is not a gel manicure should not chip those are gels and they chipped they chipped within four days oh no no so i went in to get it fixed and they didn't charge me to fix it but i had no cash to tip and i wanted to tip like oh just charge me a dollar and i can tip on the card but they wouldn't let me tip on the card so that's an instance in which i didn't tip but that was not uh, you tried i tried and they were like pull from the atm and i was like i'm not gonna pay a fee a double fee right because like the atm's gonna charge me and, and my, my bank's bank. gonna charge me yeah no so i didn't tip but no otherwise i think i always tip my best friend's a hairdresser so she's really like gotten the hairdresser tipping into my mind which is what i usually tip like 20 bucks because i get like 20 if bucks on hair, nails or no hair? no hair, hair oh got yeah, you yeah. i got you so just 20 standard typically damn i know that's what she's taught me wow that's nice she that's, says that's she's really in nice well okay if people are tipping that there then i feel like i should hear well i know people out here who get like 300 dollars haircuts and they do 20 percent on it so oh, that's like wow. you know that'd be 60 bucks that's like, wild yeah yeah so, i'm I mean, not getting 300 dollars haircuts nor usually. am i no, that fantastic style. sams and i are really good friends <laughs> yeah okay have you ever been fired from a customer service job i'm certain you have not i know yeah you're not that brand no. give me an example this is the last question in this section great of the worst customer you can think of that you had an interaction with or, and it can't be the mom with the leg. You already said that. <laughs> uh, or an archetype of like who would traditionally in your head be a worst customer. Okay. So this weekend, also all getting my nails done, nails done, saw this archetype. And so that's, I feel like Great. what I have to pick. Yep. You always see this. I feel like at nail salon specifically yeah. came in late, forgot her mask then complained that she hadn't been seen yet, even though she was late for her own appointment, then said she wanted her nails longer, wanted her nails shorter. And I would say she was probably like in her 50s, white woman. What? Very thin, blonde, white woman. Sad. In her 50s who was shooting this weekend. So she really needed her nails to look nice. So I'm going to say that is like people who are overly important, Mm. think of themselves as overly important Mm. and think that they matter more than everyone else there who's in the process of getting something done. So that is the archetype I have and also no patience for. None. And they're subjugating the person that is doing the work that they insist they need done. Absolutely. I will burn it all down. <laughs> yes. I, that makes me insane. That's a really good one. No one said that yet. Oh, I good. like that answer. Okay, well, folks, we're going to move on to the good stuff. We hope you saved room for dessert. It's the positive section. We get to be happy now. Okay. What's the nicest thing a customer or in this case, I guess, even an employer has done for you whilst you were working that you can think of or something nice you can think of that was done for you. 
take a pause to think. Yeah, you're fine. I can't really think of anything. That makes me sad. <laughs> like, what have people done? Can you think of, like, did you get a really nice thank you note at Link or something from a family? Or did you, you personally, though, not Link yeah, the organization, because I'm sure they've gotten a lot. Or did, like, someone who was walking through the funeral experience really appreciate how kind you were to them? Or none of this? Wow. That's really sad. Yeah, maybe I just don't remember the nice things. Um, I no, was going to say, remember. so when I was working at the um, law firm, mm -hmm. I felt like they, so they hired me and then they were having a corporate retreat like two days later, three days later, like very soon after in Denver. And they still let me go, put me up, like got me a flight, brought me out, even though clearly like they did not know if I was going to stay and I did not stay long. Wow. They probably regret that. And one of the girls... <laughs> gave up her hoodie so that I would have a hoodie because they hadn't ordered an extra one for me. And she was just like, I don't want you to feel left out. I can get another one in the future. Like, I just really want you to feel like you're part of the team. And so that was probably one of the, like the nicest things an employer did. Yeah, that's really sweet. It was really nice. And then you left him high and dry. Well done, Chelsea. Oh, yeah, I sure did. <laughs> okay. Um, what's the best time you've ever had at work? I feel like I can't pick my current job. No, right? you can't. It's off. Best time I've ever had at work. I mean, even though I talked about that Cabo trip being a fucking nightmare, mm -hmm. it was also really fun to, after working, just be in the pool with, like, my friends because it was people that I knew. So we would just, like, drink at the bar in the pool. And then I would get to go back to my room, lay in a bed in a robe, and order room service for free. That's so nice. that was pretty fun. So that la that was a two-day event? Two weeks. I two weeks? I misheard you. It was only a four-day event, but I was in Cabo oh, for two weeks. That's kind of like, nice. Yeah. I mean, but it was Hell, really fucking hard work. You earned it. And I spoke the most Spanish out of all of us, which is not that much Spanish. <laughs> so I was like negotiating prices with people in Spanish. But luckily, Spanish men typically think it's cute when I try and speak my Spanish. Nice. So I could like really work it. Yeah. But yeah, that that was really fun. Okay. That part. Okay. I, I would, I would agree with that. What's the best lesson that you have learned from working in customer service, like interacting with customers? I think just to remember everyone is having a day. I think it can go both ways, right? I think when we're working with customers and they're being assholes, our assumption can be like, you need to be kinder. You're being a dick. I'm like stressed. I've been with your fucking kids all day or whatever the thing is. Mm -hmm. But I think it's important to remember both sides of that because when I was in a super bad mood, there would be days where I was like, oh, I'm probably being a dick to this person for no reason. Sure. And so I feel like that's the biggest lesson is just to remember like, it's probably not personal. No one's paying that much attention to you in particular. They're just having a day. Having a day. Unless you're that bitch at the salon and then she was bad. <laughs> She's having a life. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And you bless her. Okay. And then w what's one piece of advice you would give to customers who interact with customer service workers? Customer service workers are human beings. What? They are real. What? In the flesh human beings. That's crazy. Who are loved what? by others and who deserve respect. Next you're going to say they have a family. <laughs> they might have families. What? Yeah. I think that's it. I think it's like, remember that these are just people. Treat them like somebody that you might love, you know, like mm. just be kind. I think it's remembering that like, again, they have to be here, but they have a million other things going on in their brain. And so like, if they forget your ranch... That's all right. They were probably thinking about the laundry that they have to do. Just ask them again. They'll yeah. bring it to you. They don't want to piss you off. They want your tip. Truly. So it's like, just give them a break. Help them help you. Exactly. I love that.
All right. Well, Chelsea, how can people get in touch with you? How can they meet Kim Jong-un? Like, what's the best way to get to one of your produced events? Like, tell us. Yeah, I think just Instagram is probably the best way. Chel.c.quinn. There's a lot of Chelsea Quinns out there. It's a hard handle to get. Underscore Chelsea Quinn underscore on Twitter. Um, And then, yeah, follow Liberty in North Korea. Would love to see people there checking out what we do because we do really cool work they do well i love it well folks we're gonna drop your checks now thank you so much for listening if you want to help us out here at service from hell we'd love to have you subscribe subscribe i'm keeping that in we want you to subscribe and or review the show wherever you listen it will help us reach more people that need to be schooled on the art of being kind it will be catharsis for those of us still working in the industry if you want to get in touch with us here at service from hell directly send us your receipts to service from hell podcast at gmail.com we'd love to hear from you extra special shout out to all of our patrons on patreon thank you all so much you can find us over there as well remember if you can't afford to tip you can't afford to go out so don't be garbage and be good to people it's easier that way and can you uh is there anything else you want to say any other gems you want to add we're so glad you we made time for this chelsea oh you gosh, were lovely. Of course. thank you for asking yeah. no i don't i don't think there's anything. you nailed it yeah, yeah is there anything else you no, I wanted just, or I want, missing? i want people to follow you and find you and i want them to you know liberate north korea that seems like a tiny goal let's do it <laughs> just a little thing let's do it yeah all right cool thank you folks so much for listening good night Sorry, one second. Hold for plane. Hold for jets. What the fuck kind of plane is this? It's a jet. (laughs) The Rams already won or whatever the hell happens in L.A. (laughs) 